Hi, I'm Adam Robert Lewis, and you're listening to Brewing Actors Podcast. My chance to talk to actors, to hear their stories, what inspired their performances, and what decisions or relationships influence their work. On today's episode. One role I have always said that I wanted to play. I mean, I found Facebook statuses of, you know, I was probably like 16 saying, oh my God, it would be so cool to play Christine one day, one day, um, one day. Um, and I had my 18th birthday cake was Phantom. I mean, I loved Phantom, but it felt it was just not, there was no way it was going to happen ever, ever, ever. My guest today is West End performer Kelly Matheson. Originally from Ayr in Scotland, Kelly started singing at a young age. Through singing, she discovered her love of opera and then went on to study at the prestigious Royal College of Music in London. Kelly reflects on her whirlwind journey and why she left the world of opera to make her West End debut playing Christine Daae in Phantom of the Opera, a role she always dreamed of playing but never thought she would. Kelly's dream came true in 2017, landing the role in the show's 32nd year, a role she was still playing up until the closure of the West End due to the current global pandemic. If Kelly's journey teaches us anything, it's to work at your craft and go confidently in the direction of your dreams. So, like any story, we have to start at the very beginning. I was born in a place called Irvine, Scotland, but I grew up in a place called Alloway in Ayr. And uh, my mum is a nurse. She's a health visitor. And my dad was an airplane engineer. And now he works with um, like children, just with like special needs and stuff. But so, yeah, we're all very different. Don't come from a musical family. So is your mother working right now during this yeah, she's working. She is. Yeah, but she sends me like photos and she's like head to toe in like uh, masks. And I mean, it's it's so bad. Surreal. Yeah. Surreal. Yeah. Were they a big influence sending you to singing lessons or ballet lessons at a young age? Is that something they pushed you towards or did you want to do that? Well, I feel my mum pushed me towards becoming, well, not becoming a dancer, but by going to ballet lessons because she just kind of wanted me to be like a super girly girl. She loved the idea of like her daughter dressed in all pink. It was just the way I was brought up. I was always in amazing dresses from like, like as soon as I was born. Um, But then I don't really, they never pushed me towards becoming or kind of following that path because like I said I don't come from a musical family like no one in my family does dance no one in my family does music so it was never a pushy decision it just kind of came with me naturally. Mm -hmm. So when did you first discover singing so ballet was your sort of first activity outside school right? Yeah. Did you enjoy ballet? Because you did ballet from two, right? Yeah, from two years old, my mom sent me to ballet. Um, and 
I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved I loved ballet. I loved doing um and then I and then I went on to do like jazz and tap and and everything at the same dance school. But ballet was like my main my main dance as such. Yeah. Right. Did you do drama at secondary school? Um, no, because honestly, the school that I went to didn't offer it. So you didn't do any drama at school at all. So what were your subjects at secondary school that you chose? <laughs> chose and failed. <laughs> um, no, I chose, um, I did a lot of politics, modern studies, English. I mean, I did music and I did I mean, I mean, the school that I went to was was great in the fact that they did. They had an amazing music department. We just didn't really have a drama department. So if there was ever right. a school show, it was put on by like the English teachers or or something like that. And then they just kind of added in the music department at times. Um, but I loved politics and um, anything to do with that. I mean, really, I would have wanted to be a lawyer, but. I went and decided to do music instead. <laughs> so when you left secondary school, did you go to university? I went to a conservatoire. Um, I went to the Royal right. College of Music as soon as I finished school. So packed up my bags. So what was that? So why did you decide to go there? What was the sort of, did you have a sit down with your parents and they asked, what would you like to do? And you said, well, I want to go off and study music. Well, kind of. I mean, I always knew I was probably going to do something in music because I loved it. Um, and it was like my strong kind of subject. But um, I thought maybe I'd be a music teacher, um, I guess, because I wasn't surrounded by people that went to conservatoires and, and, and did that path. I didn't really know where I feel like when people go to their drama schools and everything, it's just it's something that's kind of engraved and you're kind of told what to do where when I started to apply when it was the kind of UCAS kind of time um my like guidance teachers and and headmaster and etc didn't really know what to do with me because I wanted to apply for QCAS the conservatoires because I wanted to go and study music um but really I wanted to be an opera singer um so I wanted to go study at a conservatoire that I wanted because my singing teacher also she went to the Royal Academy. So I kind of had that guidance, but that was that was it. Did you have singing lessons outside of school? Yeah. Private lessons from I think from I was twelve. Um and I was just really lucky that I ended up with a, a great singing teacher at that time. So what were you singing then at twelve? What type of rap were you <laughs> I singing? I sang loads of different stuff, really like folk, a lot of folk song, a lot of Robert Burns, um, some musicals. But then my teacher did teach me uh, like a really solid classical technique, which I will be forever grateful for. Um, so I sang mm. a lot of leader. Um, when I got older, I'd sing some arias and stuff. But like it was a real mixture, and I'm really grateful for that because when it did come into the transition of going into musical theatre, it didn't feel like a whole new kind of um repertoire for me because I was I was I had sung it before, yeah. Right. So you applied. What's that process like? Is it yeah, an audition? Yeah. So basically, um. I went on to QCAS and I I auditioned. Well, I sent away for auditions for 
the like three major London conservatoires, the one in Scotland, um, and I think that was it. Actually, that was all I did. And um, you you send away everything, and then um, and then you get like an addition through, um, and then you go and the cat the Royal Academy. I had to do a written test. Um, what did you have to write about? I had to write like a three paragraph um, discussion on Verdi. I mean, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Um, some of, I think I had an oral test at some of them. Um, and then like the, the singing rounds were two rounds during the day. So one panel, then you get a letter, they hand you a letter um, in the waiting room and then you're either told you're going through to the second round or not so like it it's a really long day but I think it's just the same everywhere yeah what did you sing oh god um I remember singing an Italian song aria um I can't even remember what it was called now and some Schumann Di Lotus Bloomer and I think I sung some Michael Head, some English song. Um, but yeah, but obviously at that time I was pursuing a classical career. So I couldn't really turn up with like Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they give you feedback on the day? Did you get any sort of sense of what they thought of you? Not massively. Um we had to have an interview after the final round of just kind of talking about goals and talking about what we kind of wanted to pursue at that conservatoire, where we'd want to go to their conservatoire. Um, but they didn't really give me any feedback on the day. You just kind of got your offer maybe like a week later over their phone. And, um, but yeah, I think if, I think if you didn't get in, they'd probably give you feedback to kind of, let you know why as such but I don't ever remember it but I was also like 17 when I was auditioning so really I felt really naive and I didn't massively know what was going on which was probably a great thing but now mm. I think I would approach it much differently Definitely. Yeah. how long was the course four years four, four years. years undergrad yeah so what so you got in and what is four years like training because for me, I think that would be hell. I only did one year and that was enough. You only did one year? But four. Yeah, I only did a postgrad uh, oh, course. Yeah. You're so lucky. And six months in, I was starting to get a bit of cold feet. But yeah. four years is a long it's time. It's a long time. But as, again, going back, because I thought I was pursuing opera, opera does take longer. Oh, um, yeah. So a lot of my friends did undergrad, postgrad opera school, and that's eight years, eight years for some people in the same building, which I find nuts. But four years was long enough, but we had to kind of learn the kind of the, the languages and the coachings. And then, I mean, you may turn up at 18 years old and leave when, what, you're 21, 22. Um, and that's the difference between your voice at that age and the end is is remarkable. But then some people turn up to their undergrad and, and they're already 22. And, you know, it's a different process for everyone. But I mean, if I could go back, I wish I went when I was older. Um, if I was 
still pursuing that career, of course, I wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't have ended up where I am just now um, in quarantine, but really in the <laughs> in the position. But um, yeah, four years does seem like a long time, but there's so much you have to learn. But I, I really, I say you learn way more on the job than you do in a conservatoire or a drama mm. school. What was the name of the course? So what was it? What was the title of the uh, Bachelor of Music, BMOS Honors right. Undergrad? Right. Yeah. And that primarily focuses on opera. Yes. Right. So did did you experience any live opera when you were younger, or had you no sort of experience of sitting down and watching an opera? I did and I didn't. I didn't really until I was maybe about seventeen when I kind of realized I basically I was at a singing lesson and um, my teacher was telling me about this opera singer called Angela Giorgio and she was singing La Traviata at the opera house and my singing teacher was saying she was amazing she's the best soprano like ever you should watch her on YouTube and I remember I think no do you know I was probably about 16 and I went home from my singing lesson and I went onto YouTube and I typed in and I just fell in love with this like one aria. So then that therefore meant I loved La Traviata and La Traviata is like super heavy. You know, I could have started off with something a bit more light, like Mozart or something. Um, And then from that moment, my mom was like, well, do you want to go? So she took me to Scottish opera and that, well, by coincidence, that season, Scottish Opera were doing the Traviata. And I remember it was on Valentine's Day and my mom took me. And bless my mom, like, she's so not into opera at all. And she sat through three hours of, of Verdi. So, yeah. But I loved it. But I don't, I wouldn't, honestly, I felt when I turned up um, to my undergrad, like, loads of my friends, like, knew so much. They knew all the composers, the arias, the operas, and I just wasn't exposed to it. And, you know, we all come from different places. But, I mean, Scotland barely had anything. They just had Scottish opera. Um, you know, I, I didn't go down to London a lot. So four years training, were they giving you hints or advice as to what type of career you could be looking at? Were there sort of career days where they'd be like, well, you would be playing these roles, you won't be playing this role? Um, what opera companies to look at? Do they offer any advice or support with that? Um, they did, yeah. I mean, look, I'm so grateful for my time there, but I, I do feel like looking back, there could have been more support on the repertoire you were looking at or the kind of places that you should be auditioning for I felt there was honestly I, f- I felt I was the most ill confident when I was there if I'm going to be really honest um I think you kind of felt you were never massively good enough and it was that was sort of drilled into you um the obviously there was the the typical the classical people don't like musical theatre and that was really looked down upon. Um, So you kind of engraved that as well, which was difficult for me when, you know, when I knew fine well, I probably suited musical theatre more than I did opera. Um, And yeah, I mean, it was kind of, if you're not, it 
so-and-so standard, then you're not really going to make it. And I remember going into a meeting and being told, like, there's a lot of sopranos out there and this isn't good enough. You're not good at this. You're not good at that. And I mean, at 21 years old or whatever it was, I think I was by that time, it was really damaging. And, and we all know fine well that your voice carries so much of your emotions. So I honestly, I don't think I, in all honesty, I didn't really do that well when I was at the conservatory because I just didn't have any confidence and I didn't really know where my life was kind of planning out. It wasn't until I left that I started to to kind of gain the confidence. Right. So did you, do they do it? like a end of year showcase or anything for you to get an agent or to be seen by opera companies or yeah no um because you wouldn't really get an agent until you were maybe in opera school so i wouldn't have been i'd probably be like 25 you know around now that i would start to get agents and that's if you got to do the opera, because there wasn't a, we're doing an end of year opera. It was people had to audition. Right. And if you didn't get a place in the opera that they were doing, then you wouldn't really get the chance to be seen. And there's like a mass of students. So it was, it was really difficult. And as an undergrad, I mean, you don't even get a, like you don't even get a, a tiny chance at all so you wouldn't have that chance so yeah it's, it's really difficult to be honest yeah so what did you think you were going to do after you graduated did you have any idea what you wanted to do did you want to try and audition for opera companies yeah I did because well basically I left and I felt that I hated the place that I went to um, I hated the, the Royal College I hated like my time there um, so I moved to Vienna after that because my boyfriend at the time was on the the like the young artist um scheme out there so I decided I wanted to go out there because I wanted to study with a specific teacher and study German but then when I went out there and I felt so immersed by the culture because out in Austria I think just like Germany and places like that, when you are an artist, like they really respect you like massively where I felt down here, it was kind of like, Oh, what do you do? And then you say, and they're like, yeah, but what's your real job? And it was really damaging. Um, and then I just started getting additions and I auditioned for Scottish opera and I straight away got a job with them. And, um, and that kind of like made me more and more confident. But um, so, what was that like getting a job at Scottish Opera, having seen your sort of the show that you read, an opera that you really love, and now you're in the company? Yeah, it felt amazing, and it felt it was really special because obviously it was Scottish Opera, and I'm Scottish, and my family are all there. But also little things like I went to the Junior Academy at the Royal Scottish. Um, so I was across the road from Scottish Opera all the time. And, you know, you'd get to see the dress rehearsals. and But also my French horn teacher, because I played the French horn before um, I was a singer, he was in the orchestra. So that was like super special for me because he had known me since I was 10 years old. And suddenly he's playing for me and I'm making my debut. And 
So I think out of any company that I could have worked for first, it, it was them. And I'm so happy it was them. What was the opera that you did? Le Nozze di Figaro, Marge of Figaro by Mozart, um, which of course kind of, well, like another thing with like living in Vienna was that Mozart was born there and everything kind of started to like, it kind of makes sense that I felt there was a lot of signs and I loved singing Mozart. That was another thing I kind of discovered. So it was really special to me. Yeah. When you join Scottish Opera, do you get a contract very similar to what you get now at Phantom or is it per opera basis? Yeah, it's just a per opera. So I was only hired for um, the production of, of Figaro and then it's kind of, and that's it. Obviously, it's nice at musical theatre because you kind of sometimes you get a year um, and mm. then maybe an extension and, and stuff like that. But that was like three months work. And that's just the reality of opera. Was there a prospect for you to audition again or did you want to move on and experience something else? Yeah, there was. Um, there was I auditioned for Hansel and Gretel, um, which did it go ahead? I'm not sure. Um, but anything that kind of came up, the... Um, I think they liked me because I was Scottish and they had a a young artist scheme there as well, which I was offered, but then I got offered Christine at the same time. So So what is the young artist scheme? You basically contracted with them for a year um, Mm -hmm. and you do certain roles in the in the operas that they have for that season which is quite nice because you kind of know where you are for a year but then you're also um you know you've got loads of stuff kind of coming up you know that you're doing loads of different roles and recitals and and travel um but then they also bring in agents and and stuff like that for you um which is great really good so it's a bit like the national opera studio exactly yeah but you're working for an opera company you said that you were offered that but then also offered christine in phantom of the opera so how did you get to the point now um where you're doing some opera but this musical theater it is a musical theater role although it has you know style is slightly operatic but how did you arrive at that point? Why was that even something that you wanted to explore? Musical theatre. Um, yeah, because you said that when you were training that that was sort of like a taboo subject. You don't do musicals, you don't sing musical rep, it's mainly opera. So, well, when I was studying and loads of people kind of would say to me that I suited it a little bit more was because I'd scoop my voice um, and like not to be super technical, but classical singers kind of keep on the note where I do a lot of sliding. Right. Um, and there was a point, basically I was working for Scottish Opera and then I'd finished Figaro. And unfortunately at the time I had, you know, I was going for a really bad time. I wasn't, I'd broken up with my boyfriend. I'd moved back home. Um, like I had like nothing and I had I kind of a moment I remember I was exact I remember exactly where I was in my room I was like sat on the floor I was so upset but then I had this kind of thought of I'm not happy but I don't know why I'm not happy and I don't think it's because of my relationship and I don't think it's because of you know where I am 
I actually feel like I'm not happy in my career, but I don't understand why. Um, and then I started to think and I was thinking about my repertoire and I just thought it's not that I'm not happy in my career. It's the fact that I'm not happy singing what I'm singing. You know, you could mm -hmm. give me a score. I could watch like Labo M every single day. Oh my God, it's my favorite thing ever. But if you give me the score, I'd be like, I do not want to sing that. Like it doesn't interest me at all. Um, and I sent my friend a message who was, um, she was the alternate Christine at the time. And I just asked her because she also went to the Royal College and then to to Phantom. And all I asked her was, how, how did you find the transition? I wasn't asking about, you know, can you get me an audition? Because I, I didn't really think it would be ever possible. It, like the West End seemed like a whole other thing. Like there was no way I would get into it. Um, and she just said, you know, send me your CV um, and I'll have a look and I'll, I'll send it to the, the MD at the time. I was like, oh, well, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So she did that. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, and that was it. So, yeah, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anyone kind of helping me out. It was just my friend getting me audition, basically. Had you seen Phantom before? Yeah. You were obviously aware. Oh, my God. I loved phantom I've, i and it was like it felt like it felt like a dirty secret um wow. because you know i i had the dvd at the time the movie um my teacher mm -hmm. gave me like think of me to sing and wishing to sing and then i did a concert and i sung all i ask of you and you know, I loved it. My mom took me to my mom took me to see it after my conservatoire auditions. Like I was going like the whole other direction. Um, I didn't want to go to the opera house. I wanted to go see Phantom. Um, so yeah. Where did you see Phantom first? The West End. Yeah. Can you remember who was playing Christine back then? Sophia. Sophia. Escobar. Yes. And it was John Owen Jones, I think. When you went to watch it, did you... Did you get a sense then, my God, I would really love to play that part? Yeah, always. I mean, it was the one the one role I've always said that I wanted to play. I mean, I found Facebook statuses of, you know, I was probably like 16 saying, oh, my God, it would be so cool to play Christine one day, one day, um, one day. Um, and I had my 18th birthday cake was Phantom. I mean, I loved phantom but it felt it was just not there's no way it was going to happen ever 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 yeah. why why not because it just felt it was weird because i could i could look at like the opera houses and think yeah maybe one day but then phantom on the west end i mean no way that that was like a whole other thing to reach it just felt it would never happen. It was really hard to get into. I mean, when I was when I did get an audition, when I stood I stood outside the room, um, it was at the Umbrella Rooms, and I nearly walked away because I thought, no, this is so stupid. I'm gonna make a complete fool out of myself. I don't know why I'm here. And I nearly left. <sighs> <laughs> so what was that audition like? Um, it was terrifying. My audition was 
terrifying because it was like unknown territory, right? I was so used to going into these opera editions as such. I mean, saying that, I hadn't even had that much experience with the opera editions either. Um, mm. And, you know, I was singing. I mean, I, I went in just singing Think of Me and Wishing. Um, and it just felt a bit, I didn't know who these people were. I didn't understand the whole waiting room thing with like so many people in the waiting room, like these headshots. I mean, I didn't get it. I didn't understand any of it. So it was, all it was to me was new and and scary. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone in the panel, which was like actually great because now I would go in and I'd like know everyone. Um, yeah. So who was, can you remember, obviously now you'll know who those people are. So can you remember who was on the panel? Um, it was, Evan, um, mm-hmm. the the resident at the time, uh, Lynn, mm-hmm. um, the choreographer, um, Anthony was there. Mm. At the time, it was Bjorn, um, but he, yeah, right, but he hadn't fully started yet. He was he was quite new as well. Um, Trevor Jackson, um, and Paul Willer. I th- I think that was. Definitely Paul Willer was there. Um, yeah, but I mean, I had no clue, like no clue whatsoever. I didn't know, I no, no clue. See, um, I'm terrible. Before I go into an audition, I have to research who I may oh, meet. No. <laughs> yeah, so I think my first Phantom audition, um, and going through drama school, you hear these names, Trevor Jackson, and I was always told if you do a terrible audition for Trevor, he will never ah. see you again. And there was all these, there was all these myths going around, which I don't think you know is got any truth in them whatsoever. But before I walked into that room, I built myself up to to such a state so that I was just. Yeah, yeah, pe- yeah. Oh, God. I just don't know where these rumor mill come. They, if you do a bad audition, they don't see you again. And I was thinking, oh, you know, you've got to nail it. And, you know, when you don't get it, you think, oh, well, they'll never see me again. And I don't think that's ever been the case. So actually, I think coming to these auditions slightly naive, I think actually is better. Because then it's just about delivering the material. You're not you're not judging people on the other side. You don't know their their history with the show. You don't know what they do for the casting department. You come at it very innocently, which I guess is good in terms of for Christine yeah. especially. Yeah. So did you um, did they give you the material, or did you just think, do you know what, I'm going in and I'm just going to sing the material? Um, the only reason I'd brought the material was because I had a sort of um, working session with the MD at the time, who was Ollie Gooch, um, because basically I didn't, because I didn't have an agent and my friend was sort of just putting me forward, they kind of needed mm-hmm. someone to push me into the room because I didn't really have anyone else backing me up. Um, right. So once I'd sung for him they, and he gave me the nod, then I could just go in and sing the material. But also, I, to be honest, I didn't really know any other... 
honestly English material. I didn't really know any English songs to sing. So going in right. and singing Christine was much easier for me. So I was quite lucky that way that I didn't have to find something else to sing. So what was the panel's reaction? Do you know? Um, I mean, they seemed happy from what from their face. And then obviously the when you do your first Christine edition, they do make you sing um, the bottom notes of The Phantom of the Opera um, to see you have the, I think it's a bottom A, um, and then they make you sing the top Cs to see if you have all of that. Because, I mean, in all honesty, the first edition will probably just kind of be things like, do they look right for the part? And do they actually have mm. the notes? Because there's no point in them carrying on if if you don't have them. Um, mm. So yeah, but they seemed happy, and then and then I left, and I just thought like that was a joke. Like, nah, that was like I just made an idiot of myself. Even though like I thought it went well, just kind of felt it wasn't going to happen. So you've got a recall. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. However, I did audition quite early on, so they took a while to for me to hear a bit of recall. I think it was I think it was around two and a half weeks. So I sort of um I actually sort of put everything to bed. I thought they've not mm-hmm. they've not um uh they've not contacted me again. So I thought it was over. Um and it, it was th- and I didn't think about it. I didn't because I wasn't holding on to anything. So really, when I got my recall, it actually felt like I had a second chance. Um, so I was like really right. fighting for it. And then the process after that was was quite quick. So were you working on the material? I know you said you put it to bed, but were you still working on the material or had you? Nothing, nothing. I did. No, I did my first edition and then. And that was it. I just put it to bed because I thought I hadn't got a recall. So I, I wouldn't even listen to the soundtrack because I was so upset about it. Right. Um, I was like, oh, I really wanted it. And it felt, I felt really stupid because I thought there was no point in going in. I thought I had no chance. So going in felt a bit silly. And then when I didn't, when I thought I didn't get a recall, I just kind of. So what's the difference between the initial audition and the recall? for you how different is it well my recall I was paired with a row um so that was the difference between my first edition and my second my my second I went in and I sung think of me and wishing again and then they paired me with a row um and then it was more no yes they were just sung all I ask of you um and that was and then that was my second edition and then as they went on so like my 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 next recall i did the dressing room scene but it was more of a workshop um with a row rather than just singing through everything they don't pay you with a phantom no i i didn't get paired until uh, the final with a phantom with ben lewis all oh, right yeah yeah cuz i always find that they don't they obviously even with the cover auditions, they pair a cover Raoul with a cover Christine, but the phantoms yeah. are, are all on their own and you're having to do music of the night. You know, it's like, what do you do? Cause it is, I always find that song is a duet in between the phrases. There's a lot of, I did say acting, but there's a, there's a dialogue going on between 
not spoken, but sort of, I don't know, emotionally between the two. And I think mm-hmm. I had to ask Lynn Jezard. I said, Lynn, can you please come up? I said, uh, otherwise, I, I, I don't know what to but do. You knew her. You yeah, knew I did her, know Lynn. Yeah. Which but, is great. Yeah. yeah. But then, then having sort of spent a year or two years with Lynn, then I've got to try and not laugh because Lynn's got a cheeky little smile. So oh, yeah. then I have to sort of avoid her eyes slightly. But, oh, um, God. Yeah, but it, that's the worst part. So they pair you with the Raoul. And uh, do they, is there a lot of redirection in that process? Yeah, there was actually. Um, there was a lot of kind of seeing how you would bounce off of each other. Um, I think a, a lot of the time when when they audition and they do these kind of workshops, it's not so much what idea you come up with. It's kind of more how you react to the instructions because mm-hmm. that's what they need to know because, as you know, you know, you have five, six weeks to put in an entire new cast and, and that cast change could be huge. And for when I started, it was massive, you know, having a, a brand new Christine Phantom Rao, like they have to have people that are really sharp um, and, and quick enough to kind of, to kind of own what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, I did actually enjoy it. And, you know, you get to know the person you're paired up with as well, because the person I was paired up with initially, and um, we're still really good friends, like we still chat. So, yeah, this is actually really lovely. So you were paired with the Raoul for the recall. And then uh, what is it like then? Because you said that you don't, you hadn't had any real experience of doing a musical theatre audition. Did you know that when you get a final, you're then going to be put in front of potentially Cameron and on top of that, Andrew? No. And the funny thing is, is that my penultimate audition before, like before the final, um, I sung the track the like the Phantom of the Opera and um I really wasn't great at it. Um I didn't massively kind of I felt I was getting tight and I was getting nervous and I messed up some words and and I was in there for a good I think I was in the room for a good hour, a good hour, a good hour and a half. Um and it was my birthday that day and you know I left and I remember calling my friends and just being like, that was a disaster. Like that was, and at that moment I really felt this is over. Like there's no way that I'll get anything after that. Um, so, you know, I just went and enjoyed my day. And at that time I was really good at kind of letting go of these kind of things and just thinking like, Oh, whatever. Um, and then the next day, I got an email saying you're in the final round for the role of Christine Dye, which will be in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh. And I remember just thinking like, oh my God. But then another great thing of being so ignorant was I didn't really know who Cameron was. <laughs> I just, I mean, I knew who Andrew was because I'd sung his music before and he was on like, um, those BBC programs. So yeah. I sort of, Search for Nancy. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
But the Cameron, I mean, I knew who he was, but I mean, I did not know the severe power that Cameron McIntosh is. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I just went in all guns blazing, not really understanding what I was doing. So I know you said in the the, the the sort of session before the final, you were singing the Phantom of the Opera and you felt that it wasn't going uh, very well. Were they give it, Did they give you an indication that it wasn't what they hoped for? Or was that just totally your internal monologue no I kind of I was singing the top C's and I was getting tighter and tighter and I remember Anthony Inglis um music supervisor was kind of stopped me um because he could see that I was just draining um because in all honesty like as much as a soprano I am I actually find um top season above really difficult they're actually not my massive strength there's some sopranos out there that their top notes are their strengths obviously but I I actually don't find them that easy at all I think because I've well that was another thing I, I feel like I've got quite a weighty voice yeah you do have a, a weightier sound than um... yeah so I didn't actually think they would really take me seriously either because a lot of the Christines previously were quite you know, soubrette-like and very light mm. and pretty. Mm. And I was a, a little bit more heavier. Um, so, yeah, I don't find it that easy. So, yeah, but that that's kind of, that was it. He sort of gave an indication that, yeah. Do they give you, uh, like, not homework, but do they give you things that you should be looking to improve on for the next session? Or do they just leave it quite dead? No, they left it quite dead. Um, I think it's different you know, if I auditioned now, because I would maybe know more people on the panel. So asking Mm. for feedback or kind of maybe what to prepare would be slightly easier. We kind of just got a booklet of here's what you may sing. Um, And things in it are like past the point. I mean, I don't know if you ever sung past the point in your auditions, but I never did. Um, no. Final layer, I think, is in it. No, I think for a phantom audition, it might be different if you're going up for the role. Uh, is music of the night the angel and stranger than you dreamt it? Right. One thing I learned do, throughout the whole process of auditioning for a cover like Phantom is if you feel as if you're losing control or things are going wrong, ask for some help. During the audition? Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, like I think Anthony was saying to me, is good. He said, but your rhythms are all over the place. I said, well, why don't you conduct me, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try and brush up on it. Yeah. And fair play, he came right down, and he 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 was so given in terms of conducting me, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's much better. He said it needs to be more like that now. So then I went away and and uh, and did it on my own again. And he said, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as good as when I was conducting you. And then I sort of made a joke, well, you weren't there, you know. But, yeah. So I think sometimes I feel as if you can give all the power to the panel. And in actual fact, you know, I, try, I, I did try with the Phantom Auditions to treat it like it's the first day of rehearsals. So, of course, if you, if you get stuff wrong on a first day of rehearsal, you, you go up to Trevor or you go up to the pianist and you go, oh, can you play that note? I'm not quite sure what that is. So... I tried to be a bit more like that. No, I mean, it is, you, you made a good point there of like giving it to the panel, but someone like Anthony, I mean, 
he loves the score so much and mm. I know he loves mm. um, conducting so you kind of giving them that chance is probably a really nice thing and they would know how you would actually work as a person because thankfully you could follow it but can you imagine doing that and you couldn't follow it they'd be like no well, be gone I know yeah yeah, gone. So what was that? How do you prepare yourself for a final with Cameron and Andrew? Is there anything you can do? Did you did you speak to maybe Harriet to see how she dealt with those things or did you just Yeah, I did speak to her. I mean, Harriet was amazing because we spoke all the time um during the process and I felt a lot of support from her, you know. I felt like she really did want to hand over the baton to me um, and I came, I went to see her um, three days before my final um, I just sat in the sound desk and um, watched her and we had a good chat afterwards and you know she just said to kind of be myself and um, and she was obviously making jokes of that she didn't know Cameron either and that kind of naivety as well um but I think not knowing was my greatest gift which was the best thing because I didn't what I found in the final edition was I mean it's a long day it's like a really long day and mm-hmm. um, you turn up at like 10 and you basically just have to run everything with the panel before Andrew and Cameron come in. Because when Andrew and Cameron come in, it's just like one in, one out, one in, one out. Um, some people were getting cut off during the day. Before Andrew and Cameron came in? No, um, but... Another gift that I had was that I didn't know anyone that was addition. I mean, actually, I knew... I knew Amy, who was my my alternate, but we didn't know know each other. We just both studied at the same place, so we sort of mm-hmm. knew of each other. Um, but you know, all the all the all the other people, the people auditioning for Phantom, Raoul and Christine. I mean, they all kind of knew each other because that's just the way the industry goes. So it's a small world. Scary. I mean, scary. Um, so I suppose it's probably better that you don't know anybody. Yeah, no, no, nothing. I was just kind of like going with it, to be honest. Um, mm. And I think it was such a blessing. And I just kind of, I went on stage and I just didn't really think about it. I honestly, I I found the entire thing hilarious. I found the fact that I was stood on this stage and I had the chandelier, you know, the chandelier's like there. I mean, it's always like there, mm. but my God, it's there. And you've got Cameron and Andrew in front of you. And I mean, I am as blind as a bat if I don't wear contact lenses. So I wasn't wearing anything. I couldn't see anyone. I mean, I found the experience so funny. So I was. it wasn't that I wasn't taking it seriously. I just found... It was bizarre that I was doing this. It was bizarre that I ended up in this position. I could not believe I was in the final. And I just kind of sung. And and that was it. What were they like? Did they did they have a little chat with you? No, not really. I mean, the only time that um they ever really said anything was at 
eventually I was paired with Jeremy Taylor who who did become my RAL and I made like a comment about because at the time Jeremy was in crutches and they were trying to give directions to Jeremy about what to do and I just said I mean what what should I do and and Cameron said this isn't about you darling and then I said well do you just want me to leave then should I just leave the stage and I didn't know, obviously, at this time, like who I was speaking to. I didn't know who was speaking. And thankfully, he started laughing because I was told after, it was like, this is either, it would have went one way or the other, Kelly. And I didn't know. I couldn't see who was speaking to me. I didn't know what Cameron was like. So I just made a really, like, assy comment, as always, um, and thankfully it went down well. But apparently that's kind of what they liked, that I was just a little bit fiery. So you finished your final audition mm-hmm. and uh, you leave. What do you do after an audition? Everybody's sort of got rituals. People say they either spend a lot of money, they either go and get severely drunk uh, or go home and eat chocolate and crisps and wait for it all to blow yeah. over. So what do you do in that? <laughs> sort of instance after a major audition like well, that? Well, also a point in the final was that I I was the last one there and I was last with Jeremy. It was just me and him. And I still didn't massively click that it was probably my job um, because the other... Right the other girls had been sent home and so had everyone else. So I didn't really realize I was still like, oh, whatever, I don't really know. And I left and I met my friend and I remember I had a couple of drinks and then I think I did go out. But I don't really think it was anything like, I wasn't like, yeah, this is over. I'm just going to go out. I just kind of got on with my day because I wasn't working and I think everything finished around half five. So I just went and met my friends. Um, And that was it. And again, I just, I didn't think about when I would know. I just kind of let it go. And how long did you have to wait to find out? I found out the next day. um, Yeah, I was out with my friends again. um, And I had a phone call. And I missed the phone call and I I went on to my voicemail and it was from Cameron's office. And they said, could you just give me a call back regarding your audition yesterday? And I remember just standing in the street and I couldn't get hold of them because by this time it was around five o'clock. So the office was probably about to close. And then finally they called me back like 15 minutes later and told me that I got the role and I literally could not believe that someone was telling me this. It was the greatest moment in my life. So what did you, did you call your parents? Did you? Yeah, I called my mom straight away um, and she was crying. And I mean, my parents were crying. Everyone was crying. <laughs> um, and I don't think anyone could quite believe what was, what was happening. And then of course, one of the first people I called after my my parents was Harriet because, you know, she had held my hand for the entire thing. And I don't think she could even believe what I was saying because I just thought at the most I could maybe get cover Christine if I was ever to be um, considered for the role. Um, 
so yeah I mean there was a lot of phone calls going on that evening but it was it was the greatest thing ever and the greatest day and I don't think I'll ever forget the feeling yeah mm. it's a great gift though to have had somebody like Harriet essentially be in the sort of sounding board for you in terms of do's and don'ts or to chat through the process because she'd already gone through it yeah. even when I was going up for the cover I think you know maybe I would approach Ben Lewis yeah. and but there was always this you just don't know how territorial some people can be of the role yeah. she's obviously been to see you play Christine right no she she, she hasn't no she hasn't oh. um but that's another thing I I have found is that she watched some of my rehearsals but um I think it's difficult for people sometimes when they leave the show right to kind of come back mm. I, I found I was speaking to one of my friends the other day. She was like second cover Giri um, years ago. And she said that she still isn't quite ready to watch the show. It's really funny, you know, when you're talking about people that get territorial over the, the role and yeah, people kind of, there's like an ownership and it's really, it's quite, it's, it's sad, but it's also kind of a nice thing. Like I think maybe, you know, in my first year, would I be able to walk away from the role? No, because you feel like it's your role. Mm. But it does get to a point where when the time comes to, to hand her over, and I feel like I am getting to the point where I can hand her over and just kind of be like, just be careful with her yeah, and, and enjoy it. But, you know, I feel like I've given everything I can physically give right now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So what was opening night like for you? Um, opening night was again. I keep saying, uh, well, two of my best days. Knowing I got the role and opening night, we obviously did um, a dress as such because that was the first time you're ever um, singing with the orchestra. Which you know, usually in a new show, you kind of you have your zits probe and and this. I was, you know, we didn't have that until opening mm. night and having to get used to that. Um, and we did the dress rehearsal and it went so badly. I mean, they always say, you know, you should always have a bad dress, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, fair enough having a bad dress and then doing your opening night the day or two days later where you have stuff to process. But doing a bad dress and knowing that you're about to make your West End debut in like three hours and you've messed the entire thing up was terrifying. And, um, you know, I was putting the wrong foot everywhere in the opening number. I was messing up words. I, the costumes were going everywhere. I couldn't follow. And it was really terrifying. And I remember getting like a bit upset because I was so frustrated that this was happening. And, um, but then opening night came and I had my parents here, my godparents, my my boyfriend, my best friends, my best friends from school. I mean, I had so many people there and it was the most magical thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. Um, of course, there was a moment before I went on that I thought like, what am I doing? Like, this is, I can't believe this is happening. And you kind of feel just out of control, right? 
like you probably felt it the first time you went on for Phantom, like you're stood there and there's literally so many people looking at you and it's like, Mm. there's no going back. No, I think the first time I ever went on, I think the other thing with the Phantom is because you don't, you're not on stage for the first half hour. True. I think with the other roles, you, you get to dip your toes at the very beginning, and there's a gradual progression for most of the characters, Raoul, Christine. But with the Phantom, you have to hit the ground running. Yeah. And I think that first moment behind the mirror, I was convinced. One, I wanted to pass out. Two, I was convinced I didn't know what my first line was, yeah. and that didn't enter my head until <sighs> literally that. Yeah. And I thought, here we go, there's no turning. And I think the first time uh, we went on together, <laughs> I think I climbed the ladder. And I don't do it now, but I used to say to you, is everything okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you okay? Yeah. It's all right, it's okay. My favorite thing you do is when we're up the top, you're like, when do I go? Can you tell me where to go? And I'm like, how many times have you done this? Like, I know, but I still panic. I, I It's like I... I, it just goes out to my head. I don't want to, you know. But I'm fine from that point onwards. It's a weird. It's it's weird. I think it's because it's a long scene. The minute you do the mirror, you do the you do the journey, and then you get into the boat. I think one is my favorite moments in the entire uh, show. But I think there's no going back. It's past the point of no return now you're out there you can't step back you can't there's no seat there's no break you've got to do this music of the night then the mask reveal then uh, you know it's a long section after that i'm fine but up until then i, I got a bit of nervous energy yeah. that i just can't seem to get rid of no. yeah that's um, a long section actually there really is no return after there so obviously you sort of shared the experience obviously jeremy was new jeremy taylor was new ben lewis was new so you were really sort of you were all going th- although i suppose maybe they'd worked in musicals well obviously they'd done musicals uh this was your first experience but you're sort of sharing the burden of the fact that this is we're all new this is all new territory in terms of a show um was it nice working with three people who had never done it before yeah it was nice because we got to create our show you know i yeah you do have to be respectful in the fact that like well my show with um with Ben would be so much different than my show with you. And I have to respect that your show is going to be different. And I hope that, you know, you'd respect mm. that I'm different than Bridget and, and stuff like that. Mm. But, um, but that was quite nice that you got to create everything together and that you had the process together and that you had all your rehearsals together and you were, you were in, the same intensity as each other where I think if one of them was new you wouldn't get as many rehearsals together because they'd be considerate about them having to go on for shows at night as well um so you get to create the chemistry together which is which is amazing and and I was really lucky that way because but I also didn't really know any different you know now that Mm. I've experienced having to change my phantom and having to change my ral and you know it's it's hard it is hard because you have like five weeks and not even really with the days to create this 
insane chemistry that you will you hope to have i think you've always got to go on the journey though i think if you fall f- sort of foul of uh, applying the same show to every christine and every raul and every phantom i think you get a little stuck and it doesn't feel as free as no you know the the beauty is that you know each christine has a different way to play the play those scenes especially music of the night and and past the point and the final layer especially some you know um we are quite fiery together and, and, and it changes and i think you've got to be you've you've always got to keep check of that to make sure that you you are responding accordingly to whoever you've got it's not a a default and i think you've you've sort of as you played christine you've had many different phantoms yeah, many, now many different phantoms yeah do you find you you change and learn from each one and, and obviously yeah, Raul. yeah i in all honesty i learn a lot more from my phantoms than i do my rows but i think that's only because um the intensity of the, the the chemistry that you and the phantom have to create like with the rows it's it's just mm-hmm. like this very bubbly love story and you kind of you basically just have the rooftop scene together and a bit of the dressing room and Apart from that, all the like serious chemistry scenes are you and the Phantom, um, and I've learnt a lot from both of like from all of them. I I learn. I think my biggest kind of lesson that I've learnt from someone like Scott is that that simplicity is key. You know, he's really still and he doesn't kind of let anything go until the final layer, but one movement Scott makes, like it really makes you jump um, instead of just being wild from the beginning. And I found Ben Lewis taught me a lot of class. Um, I think, I feel like with your phantom, you're very still, you're very classy. Um, and I, I love that because you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's the beauty of that role. Yeah. I think if, you know, you're as wild as the myth says of this like creature, then there's no mm. journey to be taken. And you also have to create the the love story, you know, give, give, give them a reason as to why she would fall in love with him. Did you go back? Because I think I made a conscious decision to try and go back to the source material of what Crawford did and which is there are some set bits that we do the sort of you know it's very it is grand at some points and I always took the perspective that I wanted to try and keep it as close to what classic the classic phantom would do and and I obviously had I've watched Scott a lot and I think he's as close as you get to the you know what what was before in terms of the moves and and I think if you can I think if you can play the first section very sort of stylized, but with truth, I think when you take that mask off and you and you shred that skin a little in the final layer, I think is is riveting for an audience because you're not that held uh, majestic figure. You you are like a mm-hmm. like an animal, I guess, but mm-hmm. with some form of majesty. Did you go back to any? Did you look at? Uh, previous Christines, did you go? Did you watch Sarah Brightman? Did you do any research I like that? I did when I was auditioning. Um, I studied the 
I actually studied the 25th really closely um, because I liked Sierra Borges's portrayal of her. I liked her acting choices. Um, mm-hmm. I do remember when I started, they were actually quite strict with us on to not listening um, to anyone because you end up copying and they wanted you as raw as possible. Um, but, you know, when I was auditioning, mm. I was literally studying that 25th daily and making like spidergrams. I mean, I don't know what I was doing. Um, I mean, I was, I've never studied a role like I studied Christine when I was auditioning. Um so I did go back to Sierra a lot because, like I said, I just it, it was nothing to do with her voice. It was actually I just loved her portrayal of of the character. So yeah, I think it is important to look back and see what people do. But I think just never copy, take ideas, but don't because it's really obvious when people copy. Oh yeah, I think I think it is. But I think it. I do think it's important to go back. You know, I think the Phantom is Crawford's role, and I think if anybody says I didn't watch Crawford or I haven't seen any interviews that Crawford gave, I think you you're missing a little bit of a trick because you have to v- very much make it your own. But I I just what I wanted to do is different for you because you're obviously playing the role. I wanted to ensure that when I went on that stage as a cover, and albeit a second cover, I didn't want the audience to feel like it was my first time going on. I hope that the audience would go, it looks as if he's been doing it for nearly 500 shows. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good to kind of have more of an understanding as to what what they may even be looking for. And I think... Actually, going back to your point of being a cover, I think, you know, you want to look like this could have been like your 500th show going on. But but really, like the people, the audience that are coming, they want to see a show that is is as established as it is. Not so much, oh, it's the first time the cover is going on. So covers are amazing because, I mean, you literally have to, mm-hmm. to go on and just whack it out the bag. And I mean... Covers full stop are incredible, but to go on and do the Phantom is just like it's a whole other ball game because you you have to carry the show. So, and you do it every time. It's amazing. It's I I feel so comfortable when I go on with you. You're obviously now in your third year, right? This is your third contract. Oh my god! Can you believe the fact you've been there for three years? No, I thought. I think. I made the mistake in my first year that I was desperate for a second year because I just loved it so much. Um, so that kind of, you know, the first six months, like wondering, am I going to get, am I going to get a second contract? But I thought, you know, t- typically people are there for two years, but as a principle to have three years, you know, someone that's right on the, you know, the between is super rare and, you know, when they did offer me the third year, I was a bit like, you sure? Like, you sure you don't want someone new and, and fresh? But um, I think they just found that my journey was still progressing and and that I still had a, a story to tell. And, um, and I mean, I would never, never in my life would I go on and give less than 100% you know, the, the 100% that I can give that day, of course, I can give, 
a, a much bigger 100% on some days than a Thursday matinee. Um, but um, yeah, third year, no, I cannot believe that I've I've had three years, but it's gone so quickly. It's scary. Yeah. So it's true, really, dreams do come true. Yeah. Anybody sort of dreaming, hoping, who have aspirations to maybe do a West End show or to play a certain role. What advice would you give to a young 17-year-old you who's dreaming of being Christine and thinking like you did very early on that it would never happen? I'd say to be patient. Um, People get these roles at so many different ages. I was quite young when I got it as such. Um, But also to just always stick by yourself, like be yourself. Don't try and change yourself by thinking that you have to act a certain way. I mean, I literally made such a joke. I I wouldn't advise people to make jokes at Cameron, but, you know, by being myself, it kind of, it showed a bit of personality and, and always have personality, you know. People want to, people want to work with nice people. So I'd always say to be polite to every single person you go into in an audition and just be polite on your way up because it's 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 honestly your only way in is to be a good person that people want to work with but my biggest advice is just work hard keep your head down and don't copy don't Mm. compare and don't copy it's hard but What's next for you? Well, it's difficult now because we are both we are both at home, self isolating from the show, which is a real. I obviously wasn't there, and neither were you there on the Monday when they decided that on the Monday. No, and it's 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 scary because you know my my last show before this was the Saturday, and I remember I've always said to Scott, I've always been like, I would really love it if my final shows were with you. You know, and I was saying that is like because Scott and I are very close. Yeah, Phil Scott's, but very good friends. Um, And and then I phoned him that Monday because you know he was he was supposed to go in and um, and I said, oh my god, Scott, like I've like wished that I did my final shows with you, and this has happened. Like, what if this is it? Um, But. Yeah, it's it's very sad. It's very sad, and and I miss it a lot. Like I, I can't tell you how much I miss it. But um, I don't know what's next for me because, of course, things have kind of been thrown up in the air. Um, I have certain aspirations and and things that I would like to do, but I just don't know when they would be possible next. But yeah. Mm. So what are you doing to sort of keep yourself entertained over these periods? Honestly, I've actually, I've been doing some of these online concerts, um, which have been, they've been good fun. And the thing is, is I actually felt like I needed a couple of weeks, which is, which is funny um, because I've just kind of, I've actually just enjoyed my time. I've kind of enjoyed having the time to sort of do nothing because I'm, I'm very bad as a person of being, I have to rush. I don't know what I'm rushing for. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm kind of like, okay, well, uh, I need to get up and I need to have breakfast now. And then I need to do this and then I need to do that. And, and then suddenly it's just kind of like, 
time's just nothing. It's just, just get up when I want, do what I want. There's no kind of time limit to anything. Um, so I've kind of just been enjoying that freedom, but also just kind of catching up. Sounds really sad, but kind of catching up on who I am because I've spent two and a half years every single day waking up kind of I eat for Christine and I sleep for Christine and I do everything for her and I I prepare my day for her you know can't Mm. eat this because I can't eat this and then do a show and suddenly all these rules are kind of out the window and suddenly I'm just left with myself and I'm just kind of like this is so weird um so so far just that a lot of reading and and just kind of yeah get well sitting outside as much as I can in the garden. What's the one thing that uh, you're going to sort of want to do when we are able to go out and socialise again? What's the one thing that you're dreaming of? In general, just in life? Yeah. Going out for brunch. Oh my God. I just want to go sit in a restaurant. I just, I miss, I miss food. <laughs> I miss, I miss, yeah, I, it's, I miss London. I mean, I live in London, but like, I miss town. I miss the buzz. I miss the tube. I miss, mm. I mean, I miss the show so much. Um, but I just really miss life. I miss, there's nothing you can do. You can't even like network because like, what are you networking for just now? Like, nobody knows what's going on. Usually on a day off, I'd be like, you know, at the keyboard, but I mean, the thing is, you'll probably be back in the midst of being in the West End and you're on like your your third month back on your double show days and you'll be like, God, I wish I had some time off. 